Hello there. General Kenobi! Welcome to Jedi of the New Age. I'm Joy. I'm Maria. And I'm Jenny. We're three Star Wars obsessed friends who decided to record our discussion so you could listen in. In this episode, we'll be talking about ships or romantic relationships, specifically our OTPs or one true pairings. Prepare for lots of fangirling as we take a deep dive into our favorite romances in Star Wars. So, ships. <laughs> yeah. Ships. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh I think we might be the weirdest shippers in the Star Wars and I, I don't I don't know I think that there are weirder shippers in existence like the people who, yeah. who ship legitimate yeah. crack ships as their like actual OTPs and stuff like that yeah <laughs> but I think that in terms of like people who ship ships that aren't crack ships i think that we are easily the weirdest people in the star wars fandom well none of the most, the yeah, most random ships are, yeah because none, none of them are actually technically canon right n- that's what i was going to say none of them are canon what was it sorry my brain just blanked there maria's is legends mine is legends and was technically never confirmed and jenny's is not even canon yet yet because if they know what's good for them, they're going to do a Raylo. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> okay, so my OTP is um, the Dreamer and the Dreamt from the prequel era, and uh, it's again, it's Legends, so it's obviously it's not supposed to be canon anymore. But and the people in the Dreamer and the Dreamt relationship are. Uh, Grievous and Ronderu, actually it's Kaimean and Ronderu, that's uh, Grievous's real name, but I usually phrase it as Grievous and Ronderu because not not a lot of people like read Unknown Soldier, so they don't know that Grievous's real name is Kaimean. Anyway, the reason that the ship name is Dreamer and Dreamt is because Kaimean's nickname, which is Shalal, it means uh, Dreamer in Kalish, and, um, you know... It's kind of cute to think about how he dreamt about Rondetter before they met. So, um, I don't know. I really like this one because, um, first off, it's not what you would expect. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's completely not what you would expect uh, from somebody like Grievous, especially in canon. But it's just, it's just kind of different than... I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of different than most other Star Wars ships in that, yeah. these two, in that these two people aren't just, they're not just those sorts of folks who, um, who like each other, like, for personality and stuff. They actually mm-hmm. have kind of a spiritual bond. Um, and it's just kind of, it's just kind of neat, I think. Um, also... A lot of it, a lot of it though, is based on head cannons because there's very little content for them, which I was really sad about. But 
from what we know in canon and like their story and stuff like that, there's a lot to explore. And I think that like what we have can make a really good ship. Um, obviously, I want it back. I want the, I want the story recanonized. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of how I feel about it. I just don't have a lot of words to describe how cute it is. Just emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how it goes. Yeah, it's like it's like you love the ship so much, but then whenever you try to explain it, it's just like you can't do it because it's too cute to put into words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't and, know very much about it because I don't. I have not read any of the content. I right. think about it, but everything that you've told me about it makes me think that it's super cute. And like, I would never, like you said, I would never expect Grievous. To love right. someone, except it totally makes sense at the same it's time. To- it totally makes sense. Because on the, the one hand, he's an INFP, meaning he's like an emotional potato. And he needs, and you know, emotional angry mm-hmm. potatoes usually have a soft side to them. Even Maul, who's like the most emotional potato you can get in Star Wars. Um, <laughs> he had somebody he loved too, which was his brother. And so I, I think that like people who are emotional and also like you know, angry and stuff. Usually they have another side to the story and stuff like that. Also, this the story of Grievous and Rondero really humanizes him, I guess. Because yeah. we were having this discussion last night, like how New Order fans, New Order being like people who like the new canon and stuff, yeah, they like the new backstory because it makes him more brutal, which I can totally see. Um, if you chop off your own limbs to become strong enough to take on Jedi, then you're kind of brutal. But that's not the only thing I look at whenever I'm judging somebody's character or so, or how good somebody is as a character or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if given the choice between the two of them, obviously I'd go for the old backstory just because it shows that he's not like an emotionless stone. Um, now, obviously, you could tell that from canon even without Rondetter, but just anger doesn't prove that you are human if that makes sense. Because yeah. Palpatine has a lot of anger, but you, you wouldn't see him as humanized in the movie and stuff. So I think that that kind of gives another side to his story. And uh, Unknown Soldier and Lord of War, uh, are the, those are the stories about him and Rondero. They're very great stories that I wish would be put into novels and stuff. Oh yeah, but I kind of have novelized them. The Last Kaimali <laughs> self-promo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But available on Wattpad. Available on Wattpad. slash user slash medieval maid seven fifteen. Okay. Um <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of just my take on it. It yeah. does fit I think it like the feel of the story, if that makes any sense at all, fits better in with legends than in canon, but that's because canon grievous and legends grievous are so so creeping different. And so yeah. You know, it, it it fits better in Legends because you're taking, putting it in canon without changing any other aspect of his personality would be like taking a chunk of Legends and shoving it in canon and stuff like that. So I don't think that's the only change that needs to be made by any stretch, but it's certainly a start. And um, I wish it would be recanonized. I love it too much, but I can't put it into words because I'm a loser. Okay. I have two ships. They're both partially rooted in um the canon uh 
the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six, but they are also very legends oriented. I was introduced to Star Wars when I was relatively young, and I started reading a lot of legends books because I wanted to see more of this world than just these um these three movies. And so I fell in love with these characters as they grew through the legends books. And then as soon as Disney started making movies, they had a different take on the characters and their relationships. And so they're, I ship both of them, but they're just different. Um, so the first one is Scoundress. Uh, it's a scoundrel and princess, which is Han Solo and Princess Leia. Um, they're both polar opposites. Like at the beginning of A New Hope, they just don't like each other at all. Princess yeah. Leia has a cause. She wants to fight for a cause. Han is just out for himself. He, the only thing that matters is himself and money and keep uh, taking care of a ship. Um, their strengths really complement each other. Once Han grows, uh, he grows as a character. He changes from being a scoundrel into someone respect- respectable who wants to protect the galaxy. Um, and then he reverts back into his in, so Yes, yes, that's part of the that's part of Disney's take on him. Um, <laughs> Not Disney's he, take. Better, better correct yourself before the the Lucasfilm police comes and gets you, aka Jenny. Like legitimately. <laughs> okay. It yes, it's Lucasfilm. Every, it's every Lucasfilm, but. <laughs> Okay, but every single time I would say Disney made these mo- made Disney did this or Disney did that, Jenny would comment and go, "It was Lucasfilm, not Disney." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." You know what I'm trying to say? Why I don't say Lucasfilm okay. is because Lucasfilm has technically made both of them. They were both made under Lucasfilm's banner, um, but Disney is easier to distinguish because once Disney bought Star Wars, different things are done to the characters than were done previously. So although right. Lucasfilm has both of them, it's like the pre-Disney like the pre-Disney owning version of the characters and the post-Disney owning version. Does oh, that make I sense? Yeah. yeah. And so if I, I say did. Disney, I know it's not Disney making it. It's Lucasfilm, right. but it's done differently. It's a different right. version of the characters. Although I may correct you on something. The EU wasn't like made directly by Lucasfilm. George Lucas okayed writers to write whatever they wanted into Star Wars, basically. So long as it didn't contradict the original trilogy. That was my understanding of it. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I haven't read a lot of Legends as of now. But you can see that like it wasn't Lucasfilm directly working on this stuff because there are a lot of points in the eu the legends eu where whenever george lucas got his hands on something and decided to do something with it uh he was just basically like to the eu curfew i'm just gonna do whatever i want um he did that with the with the clone wars the 2008 and 2003 clone wars are very very different and it's not just with previous it's just with everybody in general um, they have a very different moods. The mood of the 2003 Clone Wars and Legends Clone Wars in general is very somber. The 2008 Clone Wars are a lot less somber. I'm not. That's not a criticism on either one. It's just different yeah. moods that I think can be reconciled and create a really balanced and good story. But anyway, point is, whenever Lucas got his hands, the more involved Lucas was on something, you the know, less like the it, more- it was less like it was like the EU. I right. agree with that. That's not a one hundred percent correlation, but you can see this. I, I all the the example I almost always cite is with is with Grievous because in two thousand three Clone Wars, you know, he's like the emotionless sociopath. You can take on like five Jedi at a time. I think he once took on like six or seven and could like beat them all. And whenever 
and uh, whenever um, Revenge of the Sith and uh, 2008 Clone Wars came out, um, they kind of did away with that idea. Um, it made a ton of fans so mad in the old guard, and I call those fans who get mad at it Tartakovskis because they can't keep their they can't like stop talking about how good the 2003 Clone Wars is compared to everything else. And I'm just like, guys, it was Lucas's involvement. Stop. He could do whatever he wants. Not that we have to like everything that Lucas does, but still, you know. <laughs> True. So anyway, yeah. go on. Um, while Lucasfilm didn't exactly make the EU, they still collaborated with all the authors too. So that's and they had their banner, and it was a Lucasfilm book. And so, like when I say Lucasfilm made, they did, even though they weren't like completely heading the entire project. Anyway, long tangent. (laughs) Um, It was a long tangent. That was my bad. Yeah. So, like about where the character splits is after um, the where the characters split going into Legends. And um, the new canon is after Return of the Jedi. After Return of the Jedi, there's a couple years. And um, it takes a long time in Legends for the Rebel Alliance to completely defeat the Empire. Because it kind of just splinters in a bunch of factions. But the factions are all warring at each other and with the Rebel Alliance. Trying to take over as much of the galaxy as possible. Well, with the, um, new, with the new canon, it's a lot faster takedown from the Empire. I haven't and read the so, Aftermath trilogy, so I'm not sure about that. I haven't read either yeah. Aftermath well, the, trilogy yet. In Aftermath, it takes them a year to basically wipe out the entire Empire, except for a couple, like a little tiny bit of it that goes out into the Outer Regions um, and becomes the First Order years later. Right. So they basically just True. wipe out the entire Empire <laughs> in one year, but in Heir to the Empire, from what I read, I haven't read the whole book, but it was like five years later, and the Empire And they're still, still dealing with it. Yeah, the Emperor is like in charge of like a third of the galaxy still or something like that. It's a lot of the galaxy. The Emperor so, and it's the five Empire. Years. The Empire. The Empire okay, is. I read the Emperor and I got really confused. I was like, wait a second, the Thrawn no. become the Empire or the Emperor? Nope. No, the Empire. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Empire is still a force in the galaxy. I like seventy-five years after. Um, after the return of the Jedi in Legends. Oh, wow. So it's not, it never gets completely wiped out. It get, does shrink to a very small size, but then there's a treaty. And anyway, long story, uh, the Empire is still there for a long time. Um, but then Han and Leia have twins uh, in Return of the They get married, then they have twins in the Thrawn trilogy, and the protect, they constantly are going to protect each other. Um, Leia's under, Leia's in. A threat because um, people want to kidnap her to take her um, force babies because they want to make essentially a new order of Sith. Um, sorry, sorry if you haven't. Sorry it. if you haven't. It's not a huge spoiler. Just and okay. Then, I, it better not be because I'm tr- I'm looking forward to reading it. <laughs> no. Even though Jenny like ranted to me about it last night for like half an hour or something. No, that's well, like, yeah, <laughs> but it was all. I, I only talked to you about like the first quarter of the book though because right. I did not finish that book. But yeah. Um they constantly are protecting each other. They're always trying to do what is best for each other. Uh eventually their kids grow up and they lose um some of their kids. Well do I'm not gonna say that because I don't wanna do it. Anyway, they have a lot of sadness in their family and their how they deal with it is kind of different than how they deal with it in Legends. Um 
and canon. Yeah. In Legends, um, they work through it as a couple. Han does leave for certain times, trying to go and process things by himself, but he always comes back. In canon, he was about to come back, but he never did. He was always like uh-huh. just on the brink, but and he was, and then he comes back, and then he leaves again, and he dies sadly. Well, I think um, where well, I there think was that... a, it was a different version. It was kind of like that, but also a different version of it in Legends. Well, I think and... that when he came back at the end, when he dies, that is him coming back, like for the final time, like finally deciding, yes, I am a selfless hero. Yes, I love my family. Yes, that's who I am. I'm not a smuggler. Like it's his final stand for what he really is. You know what I mean? Like. So I feel yes. like he did, he did end up coming back. I but understand that both I of y'all get the full payoff until Ben is redeemed. Yes. You will get I the full to, payoff of it. I need to read about the Legends Thrawn trilogy and then also the Aftermath trilogy. If it's any good, I don't know if, if Aftermath is any good. I've heard like mixed opinions yeah. about it. Yeah, but... Aftermath gets better as it goes. It's The okay. first book is kind of bad, but it gets better okay. as it goes. Yeah, I'm thinking about reading both just so that I can have like a balanced view on post Endor Star Wars, you know. And yeah, I know you should. that I know that the Thrawn trilogy, since it was like the first trilogy written in the EU, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, that's correct. Yeah, since it was the first trilogy, it's going to have a lot of contradictions to the new canon and stuff. But as far as I know, didn't the author? release different editions that kind of that kind of fix those contradictions as like the prequels came out and stuff because i have the new editions that are said to like kind of help a little bit with the contradictions some of them were retconned away like you know they were they were retconned away like unknown soldier or uh they were just like fit into the larger story i guess i don't know but I actually haven't heard of that before. Yeah, that might that might be true. Yeah, I I just see the nice thing that about the Legends books that I've read so far is that they don't contradict the canon that much, or at least they don't contradict what I've read in the canon. So Labyrinth of Evil uh, only contradicts the canon on two major counts, which is Ahsoka isn't there, but that would have happened after she left the order anyway and also grievous's backstory that's it um which makes it really easy to fit into the personal canon if you want um dark lord i didn't read the canon vader comics so i don't have an issue with dark lord although i do know that dark lord like seriously contradicts the new vader comics Mm. the nice anyway the nice thing about the legends books i've read so far is that they don't contradict the canon that much but i'm prepared for a lot of canon contradictions in the new trilogy or in the Thrawn trilogy because it was it came out before the prequels. How you just have to think of it, in my opinion, is that there's a split in the timeline. So there's this one alternate universe where Han and Leia live happily ever after, and then there's right. the other alternate universe where um, their son is lost to the dark side and Han dies. Whereas um, I, I don't want to talk about their kids too much because it's like major. They, the kids are very important in the in right. like. But um, their their granddaughter, they are constantly sacrificing um, their lives, just putting themselves in harm's way just to keep their granddaughter and then their daughter, Jaina, safe. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a really cool ship, but the two, the two versions of it are very different. Of course. I kind of, so I've actually read a, po- a post-Endor, like, storyline that's different from like canon it's this fan fiction on wattpad by sapphire alina and it's called the interquell trilogy and it's made up of three books which are um 
let me think about the titles. It's been a while. Um, the first one is called The Jedi Reborn. Second one is Rise of Ren. And then the third one is I Am a Slave. And the thing oh. with the books is that I have to view them as a Raylo in like an AU light anyway, because she takes the idea that uh, Ray and Ben are actually siblings and not lovers. So I have to take yeah. it in an AU light anyway. So I'm thinking, why can't I do that with Heir to the Empire and just see it as kind of like a fan fiction AU to the sequel trilogy? If that makes sense. I'm not trying to disrespect those who like the EU. Yeah, no. I would. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be super happy if somebody looked at Unknown Soldier and like. <laughs> That's your fan fiction AU. You know what I mean? Although mm -hmm. the new canon objectively is closer to what Lucas wanted than Unknown Soldier will ever be. But that was a really long tangent. So get back on board with your thing. Yeah, with the fan fiction thing, the only reason I don't really refer to it as a fan fiction is because there, it was built up over so much time, it is so huge, and there, it is so intricate. Like, in my opinion, a fan fiction is generally built within a couple years. It's just one or two books. It's not that huge, and it doesn't have that big of a following, you know? And so, That's in my true. opinion, it's just yeah. it's bigger than a fan fiction. Yeah, um, sure. But it's not canon either. Yeah, but I don't know, it's, it's a weird alternate yeah. timeline deal. It's yeah. not but no, I just think of it. I just think of it as like a, as a fan fiction in the way that it's not canon. That's basically like the only real similarity, right. I guess, is that it's just not canon, right? And that and it's not necessarily made by the same people who made the original content. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah and I, I think that the Disney stuff is just as much fan fiction as the Legend stuff is. Of course. At, you know. Right. Because Lucas isn't involved. But like I still, I still. I don't like have it. that excuse yeah. with. I don't have that excuse with my with my case of liking Legends over Canon because Lucas is the reason that my ship is now Legends. <laughs> Lucas and yeah. Um, but yeah, Scoundrels a really uh, opposites attract, but not complete opposites. That's like the best tip for writing romance that I ever received or reading romance. Anyway, that's how you'd know if a ship mm -hmm. is good or not is if people have differences. But they have to have the right differences, and they have to complement each other, not contradict each other. Like, for example, you do, let's say that you had two people who are both, like, super emotional cinnamon buns in a relationship, and these people get really angry easily. Those people ain't gonna last long in a relationship. They're just not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it at the same time you don't want somebody who's like selfless and then somebody who's also selfish in a relationship because that's not a complimentary flaw either you know what i mean yeah yeah because so, then one person will just get everything taken away from them and not get anything right. back so right and then but the balance between that ha balance is um <laughs> <laughs> is that you want to have people whose flaws flaws and virtues at the same time complement each other so i'm going to use the case of the dreamer and the dreamt because that's that's the ship i'm most familiar with mm -hmm. um yeah. The thing, the thing with uh, the thing with Grievous is that he's he's an emotional person, very very emotional, and um, that often leads him to do emotional things without really considering the logical part of it. For example, seeking revenge against like every single Jedi because just like two of them caused the caused a big problem on his homeworld. You know. Yeah. Um, that. I mean, the logical thing to say is, like, not all Jedi may have supported the the Kali decision, you know what I mean? And um, 
and like see you know seeking revenge going after people only to be <laughs> knocked down and stuff like that like i i don't have it so there are a lot of things i really hate about clone wars grievous and the new new clone wars not the old clone why well, the old clone wars too but <laughs> um one thing that I don't actually hate is how he was detained by the Gungans of all peoples. And here and it's because it plays into his flaw of being too emotional and not like considering the logical possibilities. Like if he hadn't if his yeah. pride and his anger hadn't gotten in the way in that scenario, he could have taken those Gungans down easily. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think that I think that that kind of plays into his flaws. Uh, the problem with that scenario in the context of like all the rest of Clone Wars is that that stuff happens every other week. And it's just like we're to the point where I'm like, all right, stop. He's a good warrior. Stop. Um, but then Ronderu, on the other hand, is not as emotional. And she's definitely more logical, logically minded. But that also creates a big amount of flaw in her character as well. So in Lord of War, um, in Lord of War, it's that which is about her, it says that um, she was said to have killed her whole tribe because uh, she believed that it was the only way that she could spare them from like a painful death under the Yamri, in which like painless death versus painful death. Obviously, you're going to choose a painless death. But then she doesn't. But then yeah. You know, she doesn't have empathy for her family anymore, really, because she's she's putting her emotions aside and doing a cold-blooded act because she believes it's for the greater good. Now, and what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And that's that's also a big flaw. So that one of the points that I actually bring up a lot in The Last Kaimali is that you need both logic and emotion to... Um, to have like a fulfilled life and to live morally and that's kind of what happens when the two of them coincide it's that they both rein each other in whenever the other is getting out of hand with like their emotions or not lack thereof you know and mm -hmm. it and the the opposition complements itself which i think is a very beautiful thing and that's another essay about the dreamer and the dreamt let's go <laughs> but yeah yeah. Um, I like Scoundrels a lot in the original trilogy. Cause yeah. okay, so when I was when I first watched the original trilogy, um, I knew no, <laughs> no, I knew that they were siblings. My little <laughs> sister sh shipped Luke and Leia. <laughs> she did not know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Han and Leia got together, but I didn't know that Luke and Leia were his siblings. But anyway, I did not like Han in A New Hope at all. I hated him so much because he's just such a jerk. But then in right. Empire Strikes Back, I loved him. He was like my favorite character. And his relationship with Leia, I just think, illustrate his arc so perfectly because he, he at right. first just thinks of Leia as like a conquest. He wants to get her to like him. But then he actually like, mm -hmm. it becomes like like Thing. He actually has a thing. Like, oh, she's actually up. pretty cute, and I like her a lot. <laughs> yeah, like at first he's just like, "Oh, you think that I could be with her, Luke?" And Luke's like, "No, just stop it." <laughs> but like, then it becomes an actual thing. Like in like an Empire Strikes Back, Han is like, kind of being annoying to Leia, 
and he's like, I know you like me. And she's just like, no, I don't. But like, you actually see beneath that, that he's actually like, he really wants her to like him because he really does actually yeah. love her. He's not just like right. being, being his silly, his silly like scoundrelness like he is in A New Hope. He's different now. He's he actually right. growing up. He's not quite as much of a jerk. Right. Yeah, he, he deeply, truly lo- loves her. Oh my gosh, I love that <laughs> line though. It still makes me fangirl today. I did not mean to do that. I wrote, I wrote a scene. I, I think you guys have both read this, but I wrote a scene yeah. uh, where I wrote a scene about Grievous seeing the Geonosis scene, and that line though, it made me, it made me feel so sad because I love that, that line so much. It's like the only Anadala line in Attack of the Clones that I actually like besides the sand line. How do you like the sand line? Like, that makes me cringe okay. every single time. <laughs> okay, I... Okay, hear me out on this, okay? <laughs> sorry, I'm to, sorry, but oh my I'm gosh. I need to write myself in before I explain. I'll explain, though, because I understand, like, everybody hates that line. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the reason I like the reason I kind of like the sand line is that it kind of plays into how Anakin is really awkward, and I think it's kind of cute and endearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know; he just seem, he just seems so awkward, and I just wanted to hug him because I'm like, oh, baby, baby, that's not how you get her to like you and stuff. So I kind <laughs> of ironically like it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's seriously not that bad, especially compared to, like, the lines in the firelight scene. Like, I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. Or, like, oh, my, my heart is beating, hoping it would become a scar! And stuff like that. Yeah, that one's awful. Sandline yeah. is tame compared to those. I think the problem is that it's just, there's just no context. It's just standing here and it's just, like, just suddenly starts ranting about sand for no reason. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's heck, part man? of it. <laughs> but I think, like... If the, if it had it's been not a different that context, bad, in my it made it would have made more sense in a different context if you actually understood. Like I think he's saying that because he grew up on a planet where he was a slave, right. and stand on that. Like he has bad memories associated with it. So like it kind of makes sense, but just in the context, it's just like, oh my gosh, why are you like why you are you to sand and let the flowers or the I'm sorry and let the sun dry us? And then he was like, I don't know, like sand. <laughs> I just think it, it's really funny because it kind of plays into how he's really awkward and and sweet. I, it's kind of like an ironic thing that I like about Anakin. Just like the Gungan scene is something I ironically liked about Clone Wars Grievous, even though I don't like Clone Wars Grievous in general. It was just a really interesting line to me that whenever I first saw it, and I was like to my mom, uh, "Did he actually just say that?" <laughs> True. But it, it was, it's hilarious, yeah. but it's like cringe hilarious at the same I know, time. Like. It's like it's like hilarious in a cringy way. <laughs> and I don't get people who are like, I would rather eat my crap than hear that line again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not even that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's a that's so worth exaggerating, but you're right. But yeah. Anyway, go on to your next ship and Jade Walker. Please don't spoil me, child. Oh, this is the hardest yeah. thing when your friends haven't read this. Read this books. <laughs> Our okay. Empire should be coming in the mail in like a couple of days, though. So uh, I'll try okay. to get on it. I may be reading something else. <laughs> That's all right. But- um, this it's not even just in the Heir to the Empire though. It's the beginning of it. So I'm going to do my best here to not spoil anything. Um, They're both on opposite sides 
of the line uh, of the force. You know, Luke is pretty right. cemented in the light side. He wants to fight for good and protection of those he loves and the galaxy as a whole. Um, Mara is just sticking out, sticking it out for herself. She was trained as an emperor's hand, and so that's basically like an assassin. Uh, the only answer is to the emperor. And then when the emperor died, she got one last message from him uh, telling her to kill Luke Skywalker. And so mm-hmm. when they come come into interaction, it's really it's really interesting because they're, they're stranded in this forest and they have to rely on each other to survive. Um, because there's these force sensitive like tigers I guess is the best way to describe them and these right. tigers are going to eat them if they don't work together and so escaping that forest and then the character development Mara learns not to just fight for herself she learns that there are also causes worth fighting for besides yeah. um, her own her own deal um their propo- that sounds like proposal. a really good story, and it's I'm really excited story. to see. It. It's stretched out. It's stretched it over like ten books, though. So it's like, ugh, it's the hardest thing. It's nice, but at the same time, it's like I just I wish I could give you this this one little book and like you get it all. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I may just like if I like uh Jade Walker in the Thrawn trilogy. If there's any Jade Walker stuff in that, I might yeah. try and pick up more books about them because I'm. I want to like ships, but I need to see what they are first, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then Luke's like- proposal is so sweet. It's in an, it's in the next, it's the hand of Thrawn duology is, I think is when he proposes, uh-huh. but yeah. um, it is the cutest thing. I don't want to spoil it because it's like the high point of the book, but okay, um... <laughs> I'll pass then. Maybe at the okay. end we could like talk, we could like rant about our favorite crack ships and like why we hate them so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do that, okay? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Right. And we have their words on Jade Walker. Um, the new and then the new Jedi Order. Uh, Mara gets trained as a Jedi, and then there there's a whole there's a whole um series. I'm forgetting the name. It's the aliens that come from outer space. They're like from outside the galaxy. They can't. They don't use the force, and you can't sense them in the force. And so that it's a big okay. giant war. Um, it starts with a Y, and I'm forgetting the name. I it's, it's so bad. I know this. Um, I don't really want to go into those books because it's a long story. But then, the right. uh, New Jedi Order books and or Fate of the Jedi is the climax of like Mara and Luke's whole relationship. But it also has a lot to do with uh, the solo kids. Um, the New Jedi Order. It's a climax of their relationship, and then. Oh gosh, I want to say. Anyway, the end, their ending, I guess, is really, really sad. I cried so much when I when I read the ending, but um, and then Mara, uh, Mara, Mara and Luke's, Mara and Luke's like last interactions are just so <sighs> sad, <laughs> but also touching and sweet. And so, I, I don't want to spoil too much because you haven't read it yet, and it's totally worth uh, the wait. I have, but... I have to read it still, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna start on that series next. I was planning on reading my C.S. Lewis classics that have been like collecting dust on my shelf, but I think that like as soon as *Heir to the Empire* comes, I think I'm gonna read that. But totally, I have. So whenever we start the crack ships, just before we go on to Raylo, uh, 
whenever we start the crack ships, I have my Obi Grievous rant page on my Star Wars ship book already open. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay, so Jenny, go on. Okay, so my OTP is it way is a low. Secret. It's the it's it, yeah. The it's, I don't secret. tell anyone about my OTP. <laughs> no one knows about that. No. Yeah, everyone. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. So I'm not usually one to really ship anything like super hard. Just I I don't know. I just never have really gotten into it super much until Raylo. Raylo is the first ship that I really got into. Like I was like, oh, I like these these relationships. They're cute, but it wasn't like they need right. to get together. I'm so into this. Ah, you know. But yeah. Raylo's different. Raylo's the first one, and so when I first watched. The Force Awakens and Launch Jedi, I liked their relationship and I didn't really see it as like romantic or anything. But then I watched um, the videos by Vincent Vendetta, which unfortunately are no longer available on YouTube because YouTube deleted his channel and all of his what? videos. Seriously? With literally, yeah, with no warning to him and they won't give it back to him. And he's lost everything because he didn't have any backups to it and he can't go Frank create a new that- channel. Because he's banned. And like, what is what did he do? Question: What did he do? Uh, okay, okay. He, he said what that. happened was that he he made a comment that he said was risque. So I don't know what was in the comments, uh, okay. but like apparently he said something that was like against YouTube guidelines. So probably he was like, I don't know, I don't know what he did, but it was something about what he said in a comment, basically. Was like, <sighs> That's so ridiculous. Yeah, and they didn't even give him a warning or anything. They just. They just deleted his channel and said that he's banned for life, basically. And all of his videos are gone. And his videos are the best Raylo videos on YouTube. They are so good. There's a couple parts in it where I'm like, hey, you're stretching a little bit with these, like, evidences for Raylo. But most of it is just amazing. But anyway, I love his videos and I would recommend them to anyone. But apparently, but unfortunately, they're gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But okay, so... The reason I love Raylo is not necessarily for the romance. It's for what the romance represents for the sequel trilogy and for the entire saga. Um, And even, like, Raylo technically works without even shipping them romantically. It just, just their whole dynamic is just so interesting. Because, so, throughout the whole saga, we've had these themes of light versus dark and balance and what that means and Rey and Kylo Ren are two sides of the force. Kylo Ren represents the dark side and Rey represents the light side and their relationship or how does the dark side and the light side, how can they reconcile with each other? How can this be possible? How can they make a balance? How is that possible with how different these two characters are? And so they kind of represent Mm -hmm. that and they're the um they're two different halves of the same whole. So they kind of represent yin-yang. Because yeah. Kylo Ren's the dark side, but he does have some light side inside him. He's pulled to the light as in The Force Awakens. He feels the pull to the light. And Rey in The Last Jedi is very much pulled to the dark side, but still represents light side. Um, because she's pulled down to the cave um, right. and called by the dark side. And she very nearly joins Kylo Ren on the dark side, but she barely says no to that so she is tempted by the dark side he's tempted by the light side and um i lost my train of thought right right they're drawn for the the saga they're drawn to the light 
it, Ray is drawn to the light and Kylo is drawn to the dark, but together they create balance. Wasn't that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah. So, like, Kylo Ren, he, they both are drawn to each other, but at the same time are opposite spectrums. Okay, oh, yeah, I was going to say in The Last Jedi novelization, Ray is described by Luke as a beacon of light in the Force. When he reconnects to the Force, the, like, one of the first things he notices is how strong the light side Ray is. She's just, like, this very bright beacon of light that's just as bright as, like, Kylo Ren's. So, like, he just... So... Kylo Ren's dark. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's also... But, yeah, they're both pulled the other direction at the same time. And technically, they're the last... Now that Luke is dead, they're the last two Jedi-trained people left in the galaxy. They're the only ones who are trained in the Force now that Snoke and Luke are dead. And the only people who could be are um, the Knights of Ren, who people theorize are Luke's students, which you don't know for sure. So in canon, they're yeah. the last two Force users, and they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's just like, it's a great drama because they're both on complete opposite sides, and you just... You're like, what are they going to do with this? And it's played yeah. with so much in, in The Last Jedi, because at first, Rey just, she just hates him. But then she understands he's the only person who understands her, and she's the only person who understands him. They're, they're the only two who are as strong in the forces they are, at least currently. And they're the only ones who understand abandonment and neglect. And just they're the only ones who just understand how they, they both want to... They both have, like, problems with um, parental figures because her parents abandoned her. And his, um, and his dad was a loser. Yeah. And, like, yeah, <laughs> well, from his point of view, yes. His, his sure, dad. sure. I'm not trying not to, I'm not true. trying to diss Han. Yeah. I love Han. He's my boy. But, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. And I'm going to pick up on that and and bring it back to my <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to my own ship because I just had a thought about it if you don't mind um, so I was thinking about how like emotion is generally like a tool of the dark side you know like of the Sith and stuff mm-hmm. which like um, and then you know logic like a logical approach is generally how the Jedi operate like they you know there is no emotion and there's no emotion there's knowledge stuff like that that's not the actual line from Jedi Code. I know it's just it's just there. And is that Legends now? Is the Jedi Code Legends or like or, you know what I mean? Like I is the are the words of the code Legends because they're in Clone Wars. <laughs> Some of the words are in Clone Wars. Like Darth Maul is muttering words of the Sith Code, and then like later on the Jedi Code is spoken of and stuff like that. But I don't know if the words oh. are still canon or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's canon, but. I think you can probably take it as canon until it's contradicted because it's just. Sure. It well, according sense. to Wikipedia, it is canon. So I oh, mean, we're just, oh. whether or not we believe Wikipedia is the debate now. Well, look it up on Wikipedia, not Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia. Because Wiki are yeah. Wikipedia is usually accurate. Yeah, Wikipedia is usually accurate. So yeah, it so is usually uh, accurate, and they don't have. Well, the, the it's not totally accurate because. Whoever wrote, whoever wrote the Legends article for Grievous forgot to put, uh, forgot to put in, sorry, whoever wrote the canon article for Grievous forgot to put his backstory in Legends when it was decanonized, so I think they're an old guard fan. <laughs> oh. And 
So it's not totally accurate, but for the most part, yeah, it is. The details, the details, though, they are. It's I see, like, on YouTube, these YouTubers are, like, showing, like, quote, leaked content about them. And I'm like, this isn't even in Unknown Soldier. You can Unknown Soldier is a free resource, y'all. Just go and look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, you know, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure the gray Jedi code is not canon, though. I'm pretty of sure course. that's the one I'm that's talking definitely about Jedi and Sith codes. I know the Sith code, the words of the Sith code, they're still canon because Darth Maul was, like, crazy and in the cave and stuff, and he was muttering them in Clone Wars. You guys need to see that arc. It's creepy, but it's good. Um, so, yeah. You know. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Sorry, I, I went on to another tangent. I just back where I was. Okay, so... Um... Uh, Raylo here. Yeah, the, the thing... But the thing that I have to clarify that people get all, all like, the thing that people get really annoyed with is that they say that Raylo is an abusive relationship. And I have to clarify, this oh is God. not Kylo Ren and Ray. This is Ben Solo and Ray. We want him to be redeemed before they get together. Right. We don't- ben Swallow. <laughs> ben Swallow. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't realize what that word meant at first, and I was like, uh, okay, then, like, what, yeah. what is this? Yeah, see. Yeah, but now like, I'm uh, like, oh it, my god. <laughs> is it because, like, is it because in, like, the last Jedi scene, he looks so ridiculous with the, when he's not wearing a shirt? Well, yeah. he can't. He's so buff, and, like, he's, and they say, like, swole is the... Is right. Like, <laughs> for I, think that, I think that Anakin was the only member of the extra triad who could actually pull off the shirtless look well. We'll never know with Kaimean, thank God, and we also will never know, we, we also have seen that Kylo Ren can't do it, so Anakin is... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Kylo Ren looks hot. Kylo Ren's hot when he has a shirt on. <laughs> Anakin is hot either way. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm sticking with the uh... With joy on this one, I uh, yeah. <laughs> I once, okay. I, okay, once but... this, I once saw this meme. Sorry, one more thing. I once saw this meme where um it showed Kylo Ren and <laughs> he was shirtless and they had these grocery bags on his on his in his hands and then the caption said, "Look how strong I am, Mom." <laughs> what? The heck? Anyway, come oh, on. Gosh. Oh yeah. gosh. Okay, but okay. So we will. Okay, so Raylo shippers. Um, we don't ship Kylo Ren with Ray. We ship his Ben Solo, his true self, the light side or like gray side, whatever version of himself with Ray. So right. we don't. People don't understand this difference between the two. Because it's like it's like diff- the difference between shipping Vaidala and Onadala, or Vader with Padme and Anakin with Padme. People who yeah. ship Vader with Padme are weirdos. But Onadala is super cute. ship a Fifty Shades of Grey type of ship. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. So, um, Kylo Ren. Um, the thing. Okay, man, I forgot. I think that's basically. Color Ren and Ben Solo. 
Uh, yeah. Ben Solo is wants to be needs to be redeemed first. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And he and Ray is his pull to the light. Ray is the, his side of him that is pulling him to the light. But she can't fix him. He needs to fix himself for her. Right. He yeah. she's not going to fix him because that's you can't fix other people. He's going to decide that she's worth it and that he wants to be good to be with her because he loves her. So right. and like it doesn't even necessarily have to be like romantic, but romance is the, the closest kind of like analog. Yeah, it's the closest analog we have to the relationship that they have. Like there's a quote that I have. Let me find the quote that I have. Um by Jason Fry, who wrote the Last Jedi novelization. And he basically summarizes why I love Raylo and why like it doesn't even matter if it's roman romantic. It's just their relationship is just so interesting. And yeah. the relationship encompasses I what the it is a romance. I was I was confused because a long time ago you said that having them be siblings wouldn't oh, yeah. siblings or friends wouldn't no. be intimate enough, which I, I can understand how the siblings thing doesn't make sense. And makes sense you anymore. know. But well I mean I mean that you don't necessarily have to think that they need to have a romance to un to appreciate their relationship. You don't have to be a shipper to appreciate what's going on with them. But oh, I, I think see. that yeah. romance is the best example in real life of what we have for what their relationship is. I'm trying to find the quote. It's so hard for me to find. Um, but so, um, but that's the reason. Okay, so Kylo Ren and Rey are two opposite sides of the Force. And but the thing is, is that the re the way that they're going to be okay so the star wars conflict is how are the light side and the dark side going to reconcile how is it, how are we going to find a balance because these two forces seem to just be completely opposed they won't they don't want to work together and they just won't they can't work together is what it seems like right and that's what we see in kylo ren and rays they just seem like they they can't work together and yet they're still pulled to each other at the same time they still are drawn to each other. And people say, like, at the end of The Last Jedi, they part ways. But that does not mean that the relationship is over. Um, if you cause right. a, a romance movie, a romantic movie in the middle of the movie, they're probably not going to be together. But that doesn't mean they're not going to end up together. They're probably going to have right. some sort of thing between them where they're like, it seems like it's all hopeless. But, you know, so, okay, right, I, found, I found the quote. Okay, so... This is by Jason Fry, the author of Last Jedi. So he says, I don't think it's wrong in any way to think that it's Rey and Kylo Ren's relationship in some way like a romantic relationship. But that's also limiting because, you know, a romantic relationship is kind of closest um, analog we have to the experience that Rey and Ben are having in that movie, The Last Jedi. And they actually started having back in The Force Awakens. So he's saying, like, it's even more intimate than right. romance. It's... It's just something we can't really comprehend because of the Force in real life. Because we don't have the Force. We can't really comprehend how closely connected these two characters are. Just romance is the closest thing we have to that in the real life. So I just really love that quote. Yeah, that reminds me of something. But we're going to get it off topic again. I don't want to do that. So, yeah, that yeah, makes so, sense. Yeah, and... um, It just... And, okay, so one moment in The Last Jedi is when the two of them touch hands. And one thing that's very, very cool to me is that the music that plays over that is the Force theme. But above it plays the, a perfect chord, which 
in music terms denotes um, this is perfection, that this is way, the way that things are supposed to work. This is how it's supposed huh. to be. And I got this from uh, the What the Force podcast. They have a, a bunch of episodes about uh, music and the language of music in Star Wars, and it's super great. So you should listen yeah. to that. That's but, cool. And they even said that like below it, there's like a couple notes in the Across the Stars on Adala theme that plays during that moment. During that yeah. moment. It's just a couple yeah. notes and it's really it's really quiet and it's hard to it's hard to tell. You have to like turn up the volume really high, but it's there. And it's right. like part of the yeah, so and it's just their relationship is just so interesting to me. It's just yeah, they're opposed, but they're also drawn to each other. And when they get together and Ben Solo's redeemed and um every the conflict of Star Wars will be resolved when their conflict is resolved, when they come together. The conflict of the entire saga will come together and all be released. exactly so just, yeah so um yeah. i actually have a like two things that i need in order for kylo ren to be like one of my favorite characters in star wars because he's awesome in the force awakens and the last jedi but he's missing a couple of things first off uh his backstory like so I know that like they haven't finished the trilogy and stuff, but if they don't give him a good backstory and one that makes me cry, I'm gonna be mad after the <laughs> after episode nine. Also, or at least show it in the movies, because I know it's in the like, books and stuff, but it's kind of important enough that it needs to be in the well, movies. Or at least talk have- about it or address. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the last Jedi novelization, I'm at Ben's turn. I don't know where my brain is going today. And then the other thing that I need from the the issue with Ben Solo for me and why I don't like him as much as I do the other members of our emotional extra triad is that we don't really know what Kylo Ren was like before his fall you know mm-hmm. we have seen hints of Ben Solo but it's mostly like angsty hurting Ben Solo that's not an insult toward him it's just reality um we haven't seen like Ben Solo's personality and I haven't seen a reason to you know yeah, feel it but sorry for him but so that's why, that's why they could that. fix that they could fix that in episode 9 though and they probably already have fixed it in the EU and I'm probably just needing to read more well, canon books instead of focusing on legends so much but you know I just I hope that they he gets redeemed like in the middle of the movie or at the end of act 2 so that way we have Ben Solo in like the last right. you know we have we have content yeah. from actual Ben Solo like that that's what I want. But in the last Jedi novelization, I know it's not the movie, but in the novelization, Kylo Ren, right before he like attempts to kill his mom but fails, he's pondering his life before he turned into Kylo Ren. And it says that uh, his parents would talk about him behind closed doors and talk about him as if he's some sort of monster because he would, and because when he was angry, um, things around the house would like fall down or shatter or break. Yeah. And he even around it, he he would just like affect the things around him, and he he was just they didn't understand him, and so he just kept hearing all these things about how he was a monster, and then he was sent away to his uncle, and then his uncle just you know from Kylo Ren's point of view, Luke outright tried to murder him, like right. yeah, in cold blood, and that's obviously not not really what happened, but that's what Kylo Ren believes happened. Right. And, from a certain point of view, that sort of thing. Um, from a certain but, point of view. 
Yeah, so that was the best Obi Wan voice I could manage. Yeah, uh, just um, Han and Leia didn't understand. At least Han definitely did not understand how to deal with Ben Solo, and Leia tried to fix Ben Solo on her own, and she didn't want to worry Han because Han just doesn't know about the Force things, and she didn't tell him about Snoke and what she thought about these things. And Snoke has been, or at least. A dark side entity, which is most likely Snoke, has been haunting Ben since he was not even born, which is in the Aftermath trilogy. But yeah, I feel like in the movies, they do need to explain this inside episode nine. They need to, and he needs to have an act of selfless redemption that shows his true colors and redeems him from everything that happened. I don't think that he needs to like be in court or something because that's not how, that's not how things work in stories you don't need to have like justice in that way but like maybe he he needs to have a moment where he sacrifices everything in order to save the resistance or ray or yeah something big and like yeah i even fine with him being like going into exile with ray or something and not being around the galaxy for a long time and just like atoning for his sins and stuff yeah the thing with kylo ren for me is that you know, I, I love, I like angsty characters, and I think they're cute and stuff, but it's also that they need to have, like, good personality traits, I guess, and not to be rude to Kylo or anything, but we really haven't seen much of that so far in what we've gotten. Now, I'm probably saying this too soon because episode 9 hasn't come out yet and stuff. So I'm I can just retract everything I'm saying whenever episode nine comes out if it's good. Yeah, but I think they're saving. You know, that's why I don't time. really like Kylo as much as the yeah. other two. And I think that it's partially ca- the problem is partially caused by the time gap between um you know between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And I'm not trying to like distrust the sequels for this because the prequels did this too. Like, a lot of Anakin's character development was cut out in the prequels because of the time gaps. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but it, with Kylo, though, it was at the expense of, like, what we knew about Ben Solo. And so I felt like it made him a little less sympathetic. But that's just me. We're just waiting for the conclusion that, for it to turn yeah. out all happy and make right. everyone happy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that uh, the thing is, is that they want to... They don't want to make it obvious where his character is going to go because that's the important thing for this entire trilogy is whatever happens to Kylo Ren is how the entire Skywalker saga is going to like wrap up. That's the big that's thing true. that that basically says what is Star Wars all about. So they want to make it so it's it's not necessarily obvious what they're going right. to do. Because yeah. um, And okay, so Adam Driver recently actually said that he was told one thing um, in The Force Awakens about where his character would go, and he's been thinking about that since he was told that at the beginning of the production. And he just knows he knows how his character is going to end. So there's been a plan since the beginning of how his character is going to end. We don't know what it is, but what makes mo- the most sense is that he's going to be redeemed. But I don't think right. they don't want to make it obvious to us until it actually happens because they want it to be surprising. But Redemption is what makes the most sense because Star Wars is about redemption. It's about um, the Skywalkers and how they change, they affect the galaxy, but also bring the galaxy, ultimately, they bring the galaxy hope. Yeah. Yeah. 
So all right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. Any more thoughts or should we go on to crack ships? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm good. All right. So I'll go first with the crack ships because as if I haven't already ranted enough about stuff like this today. <laughs> Um, so the, the crack ship rules for context, um, earlier today we were having a discussion and I just randomly asked the question, using the men of your OTPs, which crack ship is your favorite? Okay, so this is where I'm going. Mine is going to be relatively short because I, I ranted about it already in a Wattpad chapter and I'm just going to read the Wattpad chapter because it's it's easier on the it's easier than just like talking about how much I hate this cuz it's hard to put it into words. Yeah. So, my favorite crack ship is OB Grievous. And there are many reasons for this and many reasons why I only ironically like it but I also like completely detest it. Okay, so I'm going to start with reasons why I absolutely detest this ship. And I listed them all off, so they should be... There are only uh, six reasons, which are (laughs) fairly long. So the first one is that... uh, Basically, I'm going to summarize this because it's like a paragraph long. Um, Grievous is 17 years younger than Obi-Wan, if you put it... If you take into account, like, the fact that Kalish have, like, 20 years longer on the lifespan than the humans do and their aging differences and so that's not technically statutory rape but it's close and it's definitely a hot mess in a relationship environment and it's kind of messed up (laughs) second no chemistry yes i know they banter like college roommates but they're both rule followers they both they're both married to their work and they both hate each other neither of them would do that especially obi-wan and three, yeah. what are the odds that Grievous would be bisexual when he was in 11? Repeat, 11 relationships, you know, with women. And uh, and the next thing, he would not love anybody other than Rontheru. We've already seen this. Ten lovers couldn't drown out his sorrow. And it's pretty clear that, you know, like, <laughs> it's pretty clear that she is the only one for him, I guess. And you see that because I like to joke that um, these terrible crack ships are the reason why I ship the Dreamer and the Drift is like the only valid Grievous ship. <laughs> and then lastly, no, just be- no, just because Obi Wan flirts with people doesn't mean you should ship them. They don't even flirt; they just like trolling each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, what? The only reason I ironically like it is that. Um, if you told them that you shipped them, both of them would, like, have a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> like, ju- like, just imagine, I can't, I can't do a slob, I can't do a grievous voice, it's too hard on my throat, but I'm, j- it's just, like, just imagine their reactions, it would be just so funny. And, um, that's the same thing with the second most common grievous crack ship, which is Shock T and Grievous, they don't have a ship name, as far as I am aware, which I just dropped my phone. They don't have a ship name, as far as I'm aware, but I only sh- I only like the ship ironically because it would be like the funniest rumor during the Clone Wars, like, "Hey, Grievous secretly has a sh- crush on Shakti," and like this. Imagine the Separatists—they're just like confused and stuff. Like, what the heck is like going on? 
what? Like, what the heck is going on? This is nuts. Right? He's supposed to be a free like, joint army leader. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, both of them are really funny as, like, as, like, rumors. And it would be funny if, like, Obi-Wan tried to, um, tried to, like, start the rumor that Grievous was actually just, like, secretly crushing or something like that. It would just be super funny. In either regard of the crack ships, but that's the only reason I like it. I don't think they could work out for like no. five seconds. No. Anyway, go on. You can go, uh, Mara. Um, I don't really have like a super favorite. I think Obi Grievous can be hilarious. There's so many great oh memes. But then I'm gonna also... make fun of it this week in my drawings. But also, um. Luke and Han. Like, that would, oh there's gonna be so many good memes on that. I don't know why I can't find more, but I just think that's so hilarious. They would never work out as a couple. And, like, they always argue back and forth anyway. And so I think it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, my, my favorite crack ship with Kylo Ren is basically the only ship that I can think of with Kylo Ren besides Rey, which is Kylo Ren and Hux, which just Ew. makes. No, no crimping sense. It makes no. Well, <laughs> apparently, it is a thing on the internet. Like, yeah, people like thing. literally ship this. Like, they actually literally ship this as an actual thing. And I just, oh my gosh, this. they hate each other. Like, they hate each other's guts because Kylo Ren hates Hux because he thinks that he's just some like stupid he's a dude. That, like, even like um, like Snoke says that he's just using Hux. And putting him in a position of power because he can manipulate him and get him to do weird stuff. And like Kylo Ren just hates Hux because he's just a, an idiot. And Hux hates Kylo Ren because he just hates the Force and he hates like the powers with it. And he understands that the Force is real because he obviously sees Kylo Ren use it. But he just thinks that like Kylo Ren's kind of cheating. He's like cheating by using the Force when he should use technology. Like he's it's he's like technology is what's gonna make us win the war. And like yeah. Hux in The Last Jedi is, like, totally gonna stage a coup against Kylo Ren. Like, he's just, con- and, like, he, like, imagines his name as, like, Supreme Leader Hux. Like, he, like, oh imagines gosh. calling him that. I ironically <laughs> love Hux, and I need to and, like, read the, la- I need to read yeah. those novelizations so that I can laugh at him, because he's, like, yeah, he's, like, the perfect butt of a joke. Yeah. I, know? Love, I love Hux because he's hilarious, but he's also, like, super interesting, because he was He's been abused by everyone. He's Aww. abused by Kyle. Now I feel bad for him. And he's abused by his dad, too, because in the Aftermath series, he's like 10-ish or like 8 or 9 or something. And he's um, his, he has a bad relationship with his father. And like, uh, there's a girl called Ray Sloan and there's stuff. But like, she basically forces his dad not to hit or touch his son anymore. And he she puts... Yeah. Hucks in charge of the child army. Like the, he like is in charge of like kids his own age. But the first thing that Hux does is he makes his bully punch another bully in the face. Oh man. That's the first thing that he decides to do. Cause he just he just has so much anger. He, and he just he's just been abused his whole life. So it's very interesting. He's Aww. just a very interesting character. Yeah, it, it is sad, but I don't really have very much sympathy for him because I just think he's kind of I don't a joke. Know. I just—he's—he's he's kind of a joke, but I—I I love him anyway. Um, I love I to hate that, him. Would you read but, a Hux book? Like, if somebody wrote a book about Hux's past, would 
like a like a long form book about Hux's mm-hmm. past, would you read it? Definitely, I would definitely read yeah. that. Yeah, I, and Hux, like, Hux is the way I can have I can have my cake and eat it too when it comes when it comes to like jokes of a character. Because yeah. like I remember one of my friends compared um, Hux in the Last Jedi. She hates Hux in the Last Jedi. She compared him to Clone Wars Grievous, which among old guard fans of Grievous, that's like a pretty strong insult to compare something to Clone Wars Grievous. Yeah, and um. And I just realized how similar the two of them are. The difference is that Hux is supposed to be a joke, you know? And that's how I can have my cake and eat it too, folks. Yeah. So, but like, so Hux, like, this is, I don't know, it's kind of a spoiler um, for the Phasma book, but Hux, ha- um, he has someone, I don't remember who it is, but it doesn't matter, but he has someone kill his father, basically. Oh. Or maybe, uh, he he huh. kills his father because he just hates his father. So, well, his father was kind of really bad. It wasn't a yeah, good relationship. Yeah, his father's a terrible person. Daddy issues. Worst person ever. So, like, he just, yeah. Anyway. But, oh uh, my and gosh, I mentioned. just realized something. Never mind. Never mind. That doesn't make sense. Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi, uh, you know how he hits Hux, like, he, like, throws Hux into the wall at the end of the movie. Yeah. And yeah. In the novelization, he's like, he threw him into the wall. It was enough to shut him up. And maybe to kill him, Kylo Ren didn't really care which one it was. It's true love. He's just like, he's just like, I'm so done with you. I don't even care if I accidentally murder you at this point. Like, I'm just so done with you. So, like, they just hate each other. And it just, like, it's hilarious that anyone would want to ship these people together. Right? They, <laughs> yeah. There's just no chemistry. They just literally hate each other. Like I just realized, I just realized that... <laughs> I mean, like it's repeated throughout the ages of like the big baddies getting mad at their lackeys and trying to hurt them. Like you have, for example, you have Grievous and the B ones, the poor B ones. Then you have Vader and the Imperials, and now you have Kylo and Hux. Yeah, it's through the ages. Everybody's just so mean to their lackeys (laughs) and B one abuse. Yeah, yeah. I I really want a Hux like staging a coup. Uh, in episode oh, nine, he just like just he just overthrows Kylo Ren, like, and he like succeeds. And like, um, in the novelization, I know I keep talking about the novelization. The novelization is amazing; it has so many things. But he uh, is, he goes into the elevator that goes up to right before he goes up to where Kylo Ren is after like the supremacy has been like split in half and Ray's gone and Kylo Ren's like passed out. He goes into the elevator to go up to Snoke. He doesn't know that Snoke is dead yet, and he's like, I there's probably a camera in this elevator because there's cameras everywhere. And like a lot of Raylos are like immediately, Oh, there's a Ray and there's a Raylo scene in that elevator. Like, yeah. What if Hux uses that against Kylo Ren to say, Hey, they have like this relationship with each other. And Kylo Ren lies to him and is like, "Uh, the girl killed Snoke. But what if Kylo, like Hux finds out that he killed Snoke and he uses that. It it was just, it would just be so be very interesting if that, that something like that Hux, Hux, happens. You know? That would be and awesome. Like, and Hux literally tries to kill Kylo Ren when he thinks that he's like helpless on the ground, just like right. passed out. And like, I don't, people ship this, right? Yeah. I don't understand people shipping characters who hate each other and or tried to kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I don't get it at all. Yeah, no. 
The only ship, the only ship that I can think of in my case that doesn't involve characters who hate. Now that's not that's not even the case. I was gonna say Grievous and Ventress, but they do hate each other. They really do. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks of her as a business partner that he unfortunately has to work with. Like so, so there's this one episode in Clone Wars, and it's called Arc Troopers, I think. And they were basically breaking into Camino together and stealing some DNA information or something. I don't know. It's been so long since I saw that episode. And she flirted with him a ton on the way there. And he was just so uncomfortable. And I felt really bad. Um, <laughs> so I don't understand why people ship that either. Again, it proves my... It, this is why I don't ship any of these ships. And I ship the dreamer and the dreamt. Yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be. But, I don't know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know why, there. and there are people who legitimately ship these ships, and they're not just crack ships, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand Somebody how people else. can literally ship this. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, as a joke, I get it. Right. <laughs> like, not as a legitimate thing. Right, so... Somebody else that I follow, they actually made a chapter on Obi Grievous at my at my request because I wanted to rant about it with somebody, and then I actually triggered, I accidentally triggered an actual Obi Grievous on that chapter. Oh my gosh! And I was like, "Wow, Can you explain to me what you see in this." How you see this is a good thing besides the trolling. Like, it's just right. hilarious, but, like, it's and not... you can have the trolling really. without the relationship. I live for their trolling, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's just... I'm just like... Have you guys ever ran into somebody who actually legitimately ships these crack ships? Nope. No, but I've seen, like, literal, like, fan art of it that's, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen that like uh, I think some most Raylos think that Kylux um is stupid and ridiculous. But I remember seeing on Twitter one person saying that they kind of understand as it, like they're kind of coming to understand it as a legitimate ship. And I'm just like, why? Raider, why? how? Get it? How is the question? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the most I've seen. They didn't say like it; they actually ship it, but that they're kind of understanding it. But most most Raylos that I know, yeah, I was in that phase for a while with Obi Grievous because I would see these ships. I spent way too much time thinking about these weird ships, and I probably shouldn't because it's not good for my mental health. (laughs) But um, I spent I spent I at first I was in the camp with Obi Grievous of. Well, this isn't that bad. I mean, I don't ship it, obviously, but like I can see why people would ship it because they like they're they're both like sassy and stuff, and yeah. they banter like college roommates. But um, I don't understand it now anymore, just because that whenever I first found out that, that was actually a thing, which didn't surprise me at all because people will ship anything. Um, yeah, I hadn't <laughs> done a lot of research. And I was, like, just beginning to do the last Kaimali research. And all I had to go off of for, like, why people shipped Obi Grievous was Clone Wars. And I'm like, all right, this is this looks good. But then once I got into, I, once I got sucked down the dreamer and dreamt a rabbit hole, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably it, right? 
yeah 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 it's about it thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you enjoyed the show the opening theme heroic adventure is by Raphael crux and is under the public domain audio edited by jenny raylan you can email us at jotnapod at gmail.com. That's J-O-T-N-A-P-O-D at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and until next time, may the Force be with you. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground!